Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey friends, my name is Andre and this is the Tennis and Bagels podcast and... Uh yeah, I'm here going to be talking about a lot of that happened in the last uh, two weeks at Rolling Garros. And uh, to help me out on this, I got, obviously, my old faithful co-host, Vansh. Hey, hey, man, how's it going? Hey, Andre. Uh, looking forward to this one, uh, especially with you here. And uh, to joining us today, uh, we have uh, renowned uh, Tennis and Bagels former guest, uh, uh, International Tennis Hall of Famer inductee in 2017, uh, writes for Tennis.com. Uh, please welcome the one and only Steve Flink. Steve, this is uh, the first time we're doing a post-Grand Slam discussion. I'm excited about this. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I know you two followed it very closely as I did, so please, we should start. Let's start right in. Where, where do you want to commence this? Sure. So we should start, uh, I guess, by talking about uh, the women's side uh, of the tournament first. And uh, obviously, we saw an incredible run but I don't want to say out of nowhere because I think uh, Spiontek had been on my radar as kind of a, one of the top fifth, one of the WTA players to keep an eye out for. You know, I wasn't expecting her to. No, I don't think anyone was expecting her to go all the way and win the win the trophy, especially given that many people were picking Simona Halep to go all the way, especially after what she did in Rome and Prague and the winning streak that she'd been on, 17 matches, and uh, so. It was quite an incredible run for her to, for Iga Swiatek from Poland, 19-year-old, to lose only just 28 games en route to winning this, winning this title. It was so impressive. Where do we start? You said it. You said it. You, you really set it up very well. I mean, think about that. That's 14 sets. That's seven opponents. Right. 28 games across the tournament. And, and the impressive thing is the way she followed up on the Halep win in just kept going those last three rounds. I mean, that was that's a sign of a of a really authentic champion because a lot of times a player like that could get hot, could win that match with a, you know, not fully knowing what she was doing and then kind of wake up the next day and say, how do I live up to this? Or even somebody more of a veteran like Kathleen Horvath when she beat Martina Navratilova in 1983 Roland Garros. It was only match Martina lost all year long. Horvath couldn't sustain it. That's more the, that's more common for a player like that. And I thought it's a great sign about Suyantek and her future that she rolled through the rest of the tournament and, and beat another another Grand Slam champion in, in Kennan in the finals. So those were two really big wins and a bunch of other good ones to back it up. She looks like she has it all to me. She, I think the, the whole package is there. The serve can, could conceivably get a lot better, by the way. It's very good, but I think it's going to come more of a weapon. She's about 5'9", and... She'll be able to serve a little bigger and win more free points in the future. It's already a weapon, but it will become a bigger one. But, I mean, the returns and the, the backhand down the line, it, 
uh, the 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 shot selection. I I just I just was really impressed with her from the from the moment she beat Halep right through the rest of the tournament. Right, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, Halep is, is not like, as you said it very well, she's done pretty well in past tournaments as well. And she's been quite a big uh, strength in tennis, like in the past couple of years. Really a uh, mentality of a champion, uh, been number one for a number of, uh, of uh, weeks. Um, and winner of like two Grand Slams, I yeah. think, Roland Garros Wimbledon. Yeah. Yes. Just, you know, I mean, and it was a big hurdle for her to get over after many years of disappointments and coming close to win those two and beat Sloane Stevens to win the, the French and then to really destroy Serena two and two on this yes. court. I mean, never lost her serve, broke Serena four times, played the match of her life. And so yeah. I really believe that she believed she was going to win this tournament, not in a cocky Same. way, not in a overconfident way, but she liked her chances based on what Vance was saying and the 17 match winning streak and playing so well on clay this year. She groomed herself perfectly for it. Uh, you know, didn't want to come to New York, which was understandable, but that meant she was even better prepared because she was staying on clay. So Yeah, it, it was it was almost in a similar fashion uh, how Nadal also chose not to go to New York. So right, she was right. almost in the same vein and the same level of preparation that was there. So it, it cannot be something that we'd be blaming on the the loss that she suffered. So no, no. I think it's just that like, Zviatek did play a magnificent ball you know just that was just blown up of the court yeah but, she was, yeah. was absolutely she couldn't have been better prepared for this tournament and Swiatek, I, i think she her mentality she has a lot of poise and even when kennan left the court uh, after the first you know early in the second set after losing the fir a fairly close six four first set it didn't throw Swiatek off stride it didn't rattle her a lot again that can sometimes be very unnerving you know you're out there for five minutes during a medical timeout and You don't really know what's going on with your opponent. And you, then when the opponent comes back, you're not quite sure how to play it. Is she hurt? Is she not hurt? What sh should I change my strategy? She didn't really uh, allow that to happen at all. And she just blitzed through that second set. 6-1 after, after losing her serve in the first game of the second set. So I thought it was a really uh, stellar performance. And, and very encouraged. You know, John McEnough said on our airwaves that he thinks that she'll win five and upwards in major titles. And I agree with that. I really see that. She's only 19. There's no reason that she can't pick them up steadily uh, in the years to come and become a, a great champion. I think women, I, I like to see that happen. I'm delighted that we have Osaka winning three now. I, I, I want to see some, and Halep, once she finally got one, got another. I want to see some repeat champions among the women and, and, have, and, and not have too many so-called one slam wonders and and we've got the signs of it right now and she's going to be one of those people yeah, yeah speaking I mean, of one slam wonders i just wanted to talk about i mean not talk just like mention how canon got herself to the final again in the same year that she won her australian yeah, open yeah. she did pretty well this year so that's also good signs for her to say that she even if she does end up being one of uh one of the one slam wonders i think she's there to stay at least in the oh, top 10 to five Yeah, I couldn't agree more. No, I'm not knocking her. No, no, she. That's a good point, and I, I expect her to get to win uh, one or two more probably, uh, and she will contend for a lot of them. There will be days like that where she's just outplayed and where she's up against just a you know a, a more well-rounded opponent. Not that she didn't great off the ground, has a good serve. She does a lot of things well, but there's going to be days like that where she's a little. I thought she was a bit overmatched, and to me, 
Yes, she was. I, I, I believe her that she was hurting in the second set, but she'd already lost the first. She'd done very well to extend the first set the way she did, because it could have been more decisive. And she, after those first three games, when Sriantec just blitzed through those first three games, I thought this could be real trouble. And, and Kennan really kind of got her teeth into the match and did a, did a great job to make that first set as competitive as it was. But the pattern in these matches is so often it the player that wins the first set not only wins the match, but tends to really pick up steam in the second set. That's exactly what happened here. Yeah, I totally agree with all that. And I'm super impressed by uh, by Kennan's performance the past two weeks, just because she had lost 6-0, 6-0 to Victoria Azarenka in the first round of Rome. And, you know, she yeah. had come off of, you know, a decent U.S. Open run to the fourth round. Um, and, you know, uh, had has had some some has by no means, she's developed a, a really good reputation as being this scrappy competitor, you know, a lot of three-set victories en route to the final yeah. and, uh, you know, stepped up when she needed to against Petra Kvitova. And, you know, I know a lot of people were saying that she left that court and she had this strapping on her thigh uh, and she came back after she went and got it retaped. I really just, uh, and, um, you know, people are saying that, you know, maybe Sviantek, uh, you know, had the luxury of getting to a 6-1 set because, uh, you know, Kennan wasn't really moving as well. But I don't, I don't really agree with that assessment at all. I think, I think uh, Sviantek would have probably grabbed it 6-3 or 6-4 in that second set. Um, but yeah, it was... I agree with you. I totally agree with that. That's the way I felt. And I had others who disagreed. You know, many people wanted to put a lot of stock in it. One of my friends who emails me frequently after college made that point. But I, I'm not sure it wouldn't have still been 6-1 or 6-2. We'll never know. The bottom line is right. she had already outplayed her in the first, and there was no real sign. I mean, obviously, Kennan's form improved over the course of the first set after a slow start. So I don't really think she was hurting that much. I, I also think she just had no solutions to a big problem on the other side of the net. Yeah, and her forehand. I mean, her forehand, she has that kind of late take back. She takes it a little bit a little bit later, but she gets tons of margin, height over the net, lots of top spin. Um, it looks like she, she, her game is going to be a lot... Her game is going to be very controllable in the sense that, you know, I look back at some runs like this, like what comes to my mind is maybe Ostapenko when she won this title three years ago. Yeah. But her game, to me, yeah. game looks, Sviantek's game looks a lot more sustainable in big moments and a lot more... She seems totally much more poised to repeat. Ostapenko, it was entirely hit or miss. I felt sorry for for Halep. Should have probably put her away. She had a really big chance to win that match before losing in three. And but it's it's very disconcerting playing Ostapenko because you don't get any rhythm. Uh, and on on her best days, she can hit a you know a, a cluster of winners and demoralize you. But it everything has to be perfectly in place as it was when she won the French. I couldn't agree more. Suantex is a totally different. She has a great margin for error off both sides. There's there's uh, no reason to believe that she can't play at that level day in, day out, tournament in, tournament out. It's all going to be, psych, psych, it's all about the psychology, handling the pressure, handling the expectations. But again, to do it as well as she did this fortnight, I'm encouraged that she can do it some more. And, and uh, mm-hmm. she will... Uh, she, I can only imagine the tennis she's going to be playing at 22 or 23 compared to now. It's almost scary. Yeah, I mean, that's mm-hmm. a perfect segue, actually. You mentioned psychology. Uh, she has a psychologist in her corner, Daria Abramowitz, who, you know, I mean, yeah. not a lot of t- teenagers, especially at that tender age of 19, have a full, have, they have an entourage and they, they have good teams around them, but none of them have like a full-time psychologist with them and in, investing that time and money into 
sports psychology at such a young age, I think it's she could be a trendsetter in some ways. Don't you think? Yeah, it's remarkable that she'd do that at 19. And, and it sounds like, what's, what makes it more remarkable, it sounds like they're good friends and that the announcers, our announcers were amused that they went on a, even on a vacation together. And it, so if, you, right. if, if, you're, if you're that fond of the people around you, I mean, they're, they're not just, it's not just professional, you have a nice friendship going as well. I, I mean, that, I, I hope that lasts. But you're right, I think very likely uh, we'll see more players looking into that avenue because she's proven. And, and you could see it. You could see the, the maturity. And I've got to believe that her uh, psychologist has played a major role in that and keeping her calm and composed and helping her to sort of just take it all in stride as much as that's possible. Right. And I, I mean, I, that was one thing in, in, uh, that you said, like in terms of the trend and like how a psychologist can be just really important. Um, I can't help but think of uh, some players, both in the men and women's side. And of course, we have the men, like the younger generation, having some troubles uh, with uh, with the the mental side. We can see a lot of that in Zverev, especially after yeah. the, the final in the in the U.S. Open. And in the women's side, we have people who have we have players who have had some well, some potential and showed a lot of promise, but never really got to cross the line. Uh, in, for example, Kvitova, which is a player who seems quite stubborn in terms of uh, getting to understand that she may have a problem in that side of her game, that she might need, she might benefit, I guess, from really like working on her her mental side more than the rest of the game, which is pretty pretty subtle at this point in her career. Yeah, I, I think you're right about her, but the, you know, she's such a she's been around so long. I don't know whether she at this stage. Where Vanch's point is well taken is I think it's more likely to rub off on other young players playing yeah. 19, 20, 21, and they say, wait a second, that that really could serve me well in the long run. Kvitova would surprise me, although I agree with you, she could benefit, to be sure she oh, could benefit. Did I say Kvitova? I meant to say uh, Pliskova. I'm sorry uh, about that. You said, uh, Kvitova has two, has two Grand Slams. Uh, I meant uh, to say no, uh, Pliskova. Yeah. But she doesn't do herself justice. I thought you'd said Kvitova. Kvitova does not, to me... She should have more. She had a couple of great Wimbledons in 11 and 14 and beat Maria Sharapova handily in the finals and 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 then won it over Bouchard the next time. And she's a, she's a great talent. I don't think she's really done her. And there are times when I think she has lost matches, you know, tight matches that she might have won. So I would include her on that list along, mm. along with Pliskova, but she's been around a, a longer. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, now that you mentioned... Pushkova, I mean, there's a lot of player, there's a lot of established players. The, what I love about the WTA tour right now is you have so much parity. You know, I mean, you have your Osaka's and Andrescu's, and now you add Sviantek, you add Ash Barty, who didn't play this year after the Australian yeah. Open, and then you yeah. add Kennan, and you know, you have the younger younger Americans like Goff and Anisimova. You throw in Bencic, but there's that group of kind of established Grand Slam champions like Halep and Muguruza, Kvitova, Azarenka playing really yeah. well. And but but you know like what do you think about players like a Puskova or a Burtons or a Svitolina who kind of just I I don't want to say are underperforming but they're kind of they're touted as you know who is the next likely to kind of win that first slam and you know we've seen a lot of times with like Puskova she does really well in Rome she wins a lot of the premier mandatory events and then she kind of suffers a blip earlier in the early in first weeks of, of these majors and it just keeps happening over and over and you know Svitolina same thing I mean she had. Trevisan, um, she was supposed to, or she had, she lost to Podoroska in the quarters here. Yeah, right, and right. the draw really opened up for her as the number three seed. 
That's an interesting list you're talking about. I, I think Switalina, I was much more encouraged about her a year or two ago. I love I love the way she thinks her way through matches. She's a very guileful player, very smart. And but I, I don't I you know, someone like Pliskova, there's a there's a better um, there's more potential to me because she's got a much she's got a bigger game. In her case, you know, she's got that serve and great running forehand and there's she's more explosive. And I worry about Switalina whether there's just gonna be days when and and the young crop coming up, there's just too many players that I think can pick her off in given days. She won a WTA year end, which was great. And I'm I'm not convinced that she's going to win a, a Grand Slam title, to tell you the truth. Pliskova, I think, mm-hmm. probably will. But I think what's important, getting to your point, is parity is good to a point. But one of the things that's really been so great for the men's game is we've had these enduringly great champions, not just this the big three right now who we talk about all the time and Rafa and Novak and Roger, but in prior generations too, you know, dominant champions like Sampras, like uh, Federer during the early days. These The game benefits from having some regularity of success. Not to say that you want just total domination from one player, but I believe that it what the women's game needs. That's why I'm, I'm hoping Azarenka, you know, who so, showed such good signs before this tournament, I don't know really what happened to her here. I thought she was in Pretty shape, good shape to have a long run in Roller Garros. She didn't. Maybe it was just too much tennis in a short span, too much happening in a short span. Finals of Cincinnati, finals of the U.S. Open, did well in Rome, and I think it finally caught up to her. But I, I but again, here's somebody who won two majors in the past who could win some more in the future. And I think that some continuity is is important for women's tennis to have yeah. you know, each Slam winners. Maybe have somebody in in a given year have one of the have have somebody. Uh, you know, one of them win two majors and then have two other major title winners in the same year. That would be healthy. But when you're not having eight different winners over a two-year span, I, I think the public would, I, I think they'd like somebody they can identify with that they think they can count on. Yeah, I mean, you're totally right about that. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, that's encouraging that at least we have Osaka, who's now won three majors, and she looks like she can bag a lot more Australian Opens and U.S. Opens, especially in the le- next 10 years. I mean, you look at the all-time greats, they they have eight or eight plus majors or seven plus majors. I mean, you give her 10 years, and that's 20 majors right there between Australia and U.S. And, you know, even if she gets hurt or injured for three or four of them, she can definitely, I think, win five more, you know? So, and then you, you no. throw in Andrescu in the mix, and... Sviantek now and Barty. Yeah, she could approach, uh, Osaka could approach 10. Wouldn't surprise me at all if she got to double digits. Not at all. Brady, is uh, it, did you say Brady? No, uh, Barty. Barty. Oh, Barty, yeah. Barty, well, Barty, Barty yeah. yeah. Barty, no, no doubt in my mind that she'll win some more. But I also think Jennifer Brady, I was so impressed with her at the Open. And the, the three-set match that she played with Osaka, Osaka cited that match as one of the three best matches of her career, which is a great compliment to Brady that Osaka yeah. would say that. And yes, she, she, she didn't have it in, in Roland Garros, but that's, uh, that I, I'm not, I'm not concerned about that. She, she needs to learn a little bit about clay court tennis, but Brady on hard courts and grass is going to be terrific. And I see her sort of uh, making her mark in the, within the next couple of years. I mean, I, listen, if she had managed to, somehow overcome Osaka in that third set. Who's to say she wouldn't have beaten, beaten an Azarenka in the final? So right. she's, on, she's on the cusp of it, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... I think... Uh, yeah, yeah. Go, ahead. go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about uh, about Serena. 
I guess, since this is kind of oh, a discussion. Uh, can, I just, can I just mention a little bit of something in terms of the parody? Okay. And I think you guys actually talked about like um, some really great names as well, like in terms of uh, Halep and uh, even Osaka and Azarenka, who's coming back. And I think we might be getting into the point where it's like things are might be starting to settle a little bit. I think the fact maybe that um, Williams has not been winning slams since maybe two years now kind of got a bit into the heads of uh, players in the sense that they kind of saw in that an opportunity for them to get one. And I think this could have been a little bit of a, and not an issue, but like maybe just kind of a, a lot of the doors open, the floodgates open for uh, Islam champions, I guess, in that sense that people saw their potential. And I, I fully agree as well with uh, Steve. And I think that uh, in terms of Azarenka, I think she, it may have been that the mental part of the game got to her a little bit. I don't think she, she got too tired physically. I think she may have been uh, mentally a bit exhausted from just coming back and winning um, Cincinnati and going to the final of the U.S. Open and doing well. And I think yeah. maybe she just needed a, a little bit of a yeah. break to uh, assess, reassess things and just reflect upon all the, the good things that happened yeah, in funny. her it's, career in the past couple of weeks. It's true. I, with Cincinnati, I laugh because I think, in, in my mind, I don't think she was going to win that final against Osaka. Obviously, she came away with the title and then the finals in, of the Open itself and and uh, I, I just I, I think it may have been partially physical because she isn't hasn't isn't used to playing that many matches these days. And she it's been a long time mm. she's been winning like this. So we'll never know. But it, it's encouraging. Yeah. There's a lot going on in the women's game that is is uh, exciting for the fans and for followers like us. So, so many possibilities in the next couple of years. Yeah. Mm. But, but Mina, you asked about Serena, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, was, I was gonna say is that I feel like. You know, that's one of the sole reasons uh, Patrick Montoglu talks about it all, uh, a lot, about the 24 and her trying to break that record. And, you know, in my mind, I don't even really think it's a record that needs to be broken, I think. You know, we know Margaret Court won 11 majors, you know, with basically only Australian competition. And, you know, the fact that she's after this record, I, I think it's a good thing for her because it keeps her motivated. It keeps her, you know, it keeps that fire burning in her. But, uh, so, you know, so far, I mean, I, I really think if she doesn't get one next year, at Wimbledon or the Open, I think she may never get one. I mean, the window is really closing now. I and... agree. But I, I would say this. I, I agree with you, and I've even brought it up to Margaret Court directly in an interview, that her record was padded by the 11 Australians because those fields were not nearly as strong as the fields that she faced at U.S. Open and Nationals, which were played at Forest Hills and and the uh, obviously Wimbledon and even the, even the French, they were stronger fields every time. And Margaret tried to counter with me by saying, but wait a minute, you know, Maria Bueno was there some years and Billie Jean, it's true. There would often be one top rival there, but very rarely a bunch of them. So she had some really easy wins. Having said that, I don't think we can take those away from her. So to me, my only disagreement with you, Vance, is I still, I do think the 24 or 25 actually is important because Serena had so many wasted years, not all her fault. There were things going on in her personal life with her family and tragedies and health and so many things that she couldn't really prevent. But as a result, years that she didn't really apply herself as well as she would have liked to. And so now here she is at the end of her 30s, you know, 39. And and uh, I, I think that record would be, it would be an important one for her, given that she didn't have the consistency in her career that Graf and Navratilova did, or Chrissy Everett, but particularly Graf and Navratilova as contenders for all-time number one. 
And therefore, it would be a real feather in Serena's cap to get 24 or 25, regardless of the fact that Margaret got what we could call some cheap Australians. So I, that's why I think she's pushing so hard for it, Vonch, is that she, people are right. She's kind of gotten that message in her mind and realized, OK, I surpassed Steffi, but I want to I want to pass everybody. And that in, includes Margaret. And I got to keep that's what's driving her. But I also agree with you that if it doesn't happen this coming year at Wimbledon or the Open, because it's. Yeah, there's Australia. She's got a chance. Uh, there's a shot. Paris, very little chance, I think. And then Wimbledon in the Open are the big opportunities. But boy, with the cluster of players that we just discussed, the number of players out there that can beat Serena on any given day right now has widened considerably in the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I read on uh, Twitter, it was just a comment, and I think it's uh, Maybe there's like the fan side of uh, people saying like, well, will Serena finally surpass this? There's like maybe this this sort of like a ghost in uh, just the tennis community mind in the sense that uh, um, how we need to see Serena winning that 24 and 25 so that we can finally say Serena is like whatever, the greatest player of all time or you name it. But uh, somebody pointed out like when Nadal finally won the 13th uh, uh, as well that um, it doesn't the 13th um well there's obviously nobody that can equal uh, nadal's game on the Roland Garros uh fields but at the same time it's like should nadal have not won another Roland Garros for the rest of his career including this one um it wouldn't make him less of uh, the greatest clay court player of all time and i feel like uh, not winning 24 and 25 would also not make uh esper the twitter that i've read not make uh serena not one of But potentially the best player of all time in the women's in the women's game, and probably even like, um, in general, by numbers of uh, Grand Slams and things. Like. So I feel like in the sense that, um, getting too caught up in the next one or two could can be sometimes detrimental to think about all the other 23 that she's won in her past. So I think it. No. Yeah. No doubt, nobody will be able to take that, yeah. or she'll be in the conversation no matter what. I'm saying that. Yeah. It strengthens her case. And yeah. significantly, I think, if she's able to do that, because it's it just it would set her apart at the majors. And that would then compensate for some of the in and out uneven seasons that she had and not, you know, not as many dominant seasons as, as Graf and Navratilova did, you know, and year in, year out losing three. I mean, Navratilova had a stretch of five years where she lost 14 matches from 82 through 86. I mean. Serena will never have anything like that on her record, but what her case is going to be, but my body of work over time at the tournaments that matter the most is greater than anybody else. And I, and she'll have the longevity, you know, she'll have majors, you know, uh, who knows if she's able to pull one more off, there'll be more than a 20 year gap between her first and her last, which is astounding. Yeah. She'll have all that. Uh, but you're right. It, 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 she, I don't think she has to feel pressure. Frankly, I don't think she does feel pressure to have to do it. She just wants to do it. And yeah. and it and what else would she be playing for now? She's accomplished so much. It's like you know, you're not winning a, a bunch more Indian Wells or Miami's is not going to do it for her. That's no knock on those tournaments or the year ends. It's really about those majors and just trying to see if she can pick up one or two more. I think she'll lament that she didn't get one or two of those four that she lost in 18 and 19 at Wimbledon in the Open, the back-to-back -back Wimbledon yeah. U.S. Open final losses that she didn't even get a set in any of those four. And that that I think also sort of symbolizes her plight right now. I mean, those were four very different players. She lost to Kerber at Wimbledon. She lost to Osaka at the Open. She lost to 
to Halep at, at, at Wimbledon the next year, and then Andrescu gets her at the Open. Those are four entirely different players, and they all beat her decisively. And her coach uh, uh, told me that, uh, Patrick Moritaglu, that he thought they all played the matches of their lives, you know, the, the match of their life each time. Maybe so. You could argue that. On the other hand, it's up to Serena to rise to the occasion when, when she gets it. And and there was a stage she would... She used to be... Right. She used to Sorry. be 21 and four in Grand Slam finals, and she's now lost six of the last eight. So what's happening in these finals in the first sets and the serving like she loses in each of these finals? I think she lost her first service game uh, right away. And it was that slow start that kind of, uh, you know, led these players to believe. And then, like Patrick says, probably played one of their best matches ever. And but, you know, she's the one that's supposed to be imposing her will on them. And it, it just shows it's, it's harder to do it. I think what ha happens is. You're so aware of what you're doing. I mean, I watched Navratilova once in the Garden uh, in New York losing to Helena Sokova from a. She was up six two five three thirty fifteen and and uh, lost the match. Served for the match, lost it, and then her coach Tim Gullickson, who later coached Pete Sampras, said to me the next day, "Oh, I, I can't believe she lost that." There she was serving for the match thirty fifteen. I said, "Yeah, but it's not." not automatic anymore. I mean, you, you actually think too much, I think, sometimes when you get older. You know, and, and that, that could have been one of the factors in what happened to Federer against Djokovic in the 2019 mm -hmm. Wimbledon, is that you're so con entirely conscious of what you're about to do in a way that you're not when you're 22, 24, 27 years old. Mm -hmm. Who knows? All, all those things weigh in. And I think Serena, Serena, when she was younger, didn't think about history at all. The history didn't right. come. She started getting close to Billie Jean when Billie, Billie Jean had the 12 majors. That kind of got her revved up, not as a personal uh, vendetta, but as, as a target because she admired Billie Jean so much. Wow, I see, I see if I can tie and surpass Billie Jean. And then from there, it really accelerated. Right, yeah. So I guess uh, before we move on to the men, I have one other kind of two other incidents I wanted to talk about in, in the WTA, uh, which is... There's obviously, in every tournament, uh, when a Grand Slam finishes, there's obviously like one standout drama moment. And I think we saw that um, in the second round between Irani and Bartons. I don't know if you managed to see what happened there with uh, some, uh, I guess, poor sportsmanship by Irani. And uh, some of the, you know, the, the serving, tossing woes that she was having with the, yeah. with the six balls, uh, you know, like six tosses, um, you know, not, not at all working for her with the second serve. And then... Uh, there was a time in the match where Burton's at the end of the third set was completely cramping and she then, uh, you know, yeah. kind of mimicked her and uh, and then just left the court with a bunch of with a bunch of uh, bad words, bad language, slurry. Uh, and then after that, uh, you know, in the press conference later, she then commented on it and then said that uh, she thought Burton's was faking or that, you know, she looks completely fine now. I just saw her having lunch, you know. So I'm just curious, like, yeah. what was your take on that whole situation? And I, I, I don't have much to say other than bad form. I, I, was, I, I don't think there's much of a case to behave that way or to be that cynical and suspicious of, of your opponent. I mean, I, that, it just it tells you there's something wrong with her mentality. That, that, I, I don't have a lot of sympathy for her point of view, frankly. And I, I, I saw just parts of the end of it. But I think it's like... If you think she's faking it, which is, is very questionable, just go out and do the job and and and, and your point by, by winning. But don't don't question her integrity. That was my my take on it. 
Yeah, I totally mm-hmm. agree with you. And I guess just a little bit on the serving woes aspect of it, because another player who's really been struggling a lot with double faults and serving is is, uh, is actually Coco Goff at 16. I'm noticing an yes. upward trajectory in her stats, a lot of double faulting um, in big yeah. moments because yeah. she's actually she's she's improved a lot of other parts of her game. I mean, she's hitting her forehand much better. Her second serve is, is a bit hit and miss, as you know. And, you know, she hit 19 double faults against Trevisan and, you know, with the the draw that really opened up here, I thought, you know, it was it's something that I think she needs to get a handle on early in her career now and then so that, you know, it doesn't become part of her pro- part of the problem mentally stopping her from achieving the greatness that we all think she can achieve, you know? It's costing her these men. There's no doubt in my mind she would have won the Trevisan match. I mean, the 19 doubles is inexcusable. And I, she'll, I, I'm not worried that it's something I'm trying to overcome. I, I don't worry long term. But I think she needs to get it under control soon because, as you as you mentioned, the key area of improvement is the forehand, which seemed so suspect uh, a, a year ago. But now it, she's really shored that shot up beautifully, and it's 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 a lot harder to exploit anything on that side. So if she can get the serve, and it makes no sense to me because she's not going for crazy big second serves or trying to necessarily do that much with it. But you see that she tightens up, and I I, I think she'll. I think she'll conquer it soon enough. I hope by the early stages of now. I hope by the Australian, she's cut down on those double faults significantly. There should never, never be. She'd never serve more than five or six a match. Yeah. So uh, what are what are your takes on on Coco Golf? I guess for you two, uh, more for for Steve, uh, in, in in the sense of uh, she's obviously very young, the youngest uh, player that we talk a lot about now. Um, in terms of her winning Grand Slams and uh, maybe living up to, you know, I don't want to say to Serena Williams, just kind of, because it, this is not this is not the point of a of a new player. This is, she's not living up to anybody else. But there is ob- obviously kind of, uh, in a sense, the same thing, the same feeling that people had in terms of uh, maybe another great American. And uh, what are your feelings in terms of uh, of golf? Uh, do you think we are just putting banking too much on her? She had like a, had a couple good results, or do you fancy how many slams for her, if any? Oh, no, I see her eventually winning them. And again, the serve is going to be one of the keys. Is she can't go on. She can't have this constant uh, worry about double falling in, in crucial moments and giving points away that way. So I believe that 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 will change and that she has the mentality of a champion. You know, she beat Naomi at the U.S. Open when Naomi was trying to defend her title. You know, she's she's done a lot of great things already. No, I definitely see her winning some majors. It may be a couple of years off, but I'm really I, I'm very encouraged about her. She thinks big and. She believes in herself, and she's going to get the upside from here. I mean, being so young. Again, imagine her two to three years from now when she starts closing mm-hmm. in on 19, 20, 21. In that, in that period, I think we're going to see some spectacular things from her. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, just to add on to Steve, I think what really strikes me about her is just her composure. I think I think yeah. her, yeah. her poise in the big moments, I think she's really able to recognize in the middle of a match, you know, when to really turn it on. And I think that's a sign of a true champion. I think she has a great team behind her. Her parents, I think, are very well educated. I think she comes from a good she comes from a good background and she's very well spoken. You hear her after these matches and you wouldn't know that she's sixteen. She sounds, you know, like a completely polished twenty six, twenty seven year old, in my opinion. And we saw she gave a really great speech in the pandemic about 
uh, what's going on in her, you know, in the African-American community with all the racial injustice in the United States. I mean, very well informed, totally off the bat. She made that speech in two and a half minutes. It wasn't prepared or anything like that. And so I think just mm. her, her awareness and, you know, she's a big presence on social media, but she's able to, I think, block all that out and really perform on the biggest stages. And like you said, yeah, I mean, she beat Osaka in the third round of Australia. Uh, earlier this year and then lost to the eventual champion and she lost to the eventual champion at Wimbledon in Hall- in Halop and then she lost to um, Naomi at the US Open but that was the best match Naomi had played since the since winning the Australian Open in 19 so I feel like mm-hmm. she's she's uh, going to be there in two or three years I think she can get a major to have those kinds of wins at, at, at her age is, is very impressive and she's she's yeah. building and you're right about the that off-court leadership style that she exhibited, talking about the pandemic, nobody pushing her to do it, but she expects yeah. she'll be a big leader within the WTA as well. And right. and I I think that there's no doubt with her her game and her her tactical flexibility, it's all there. It's all there. It's just going to take a, a a year or two to put it in more in place and to and to correct her issues on the serve. But that that will all come and. It's, I think it's almost inevitable that she'll be a, a great champion. How many? I don't. I don't want to guess on how many majors yet, but she will certainly win some. Yeah, I think I fully agree in the sense that, like, um, it, it, we may have to expect maybe a year or two, maybe three, uh, given her very young age at this point. Uh, and I think it's just a, a call, maybe for for maybe a lot of us fans to just be patient in, in that regard, because she really just exploded uh, into the tennis scene. Um, in a sense that sometimes we forget that she's only 16 years old. And um, I think it's, it's just, yeah, being patient and just giving her time. And I do believe, too, that she's going to to win a few majors herself, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, we've covered pretty much everything in the WTA. Anything anything else, Steve or Andre? That, no, uh, no, I think we did. I think, we, I think it was very thorough. I enjoyed it. Mm. What about um, Zviatek's uh, people saying that her forehand reminds uh, of Nadal's. I'm not. I'm not ready to say that yet. I, uh, that is yeah. my exaggeration. It's a great forehand. There's no doubt about it. Vance described it well earlier. But I no, I don't see it like that. But I see it as as a shot that is both aggressive and safe at the same time. That's going to hold up. She's going to be able to hit a lot of winners, make very few errors. She goes down the line and cross court remar- equally well. It, it's it's all there and 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 but uh, I also love her backhand because she can, she disguises the two-hander down the line so well she's just got a, the whole package. She's got a great drop. She's got a great drop shot too, and great touch and feel. Yeah, yeah, she does. Yeah, I mean, and you know, just you mentioned Nadal. I mean, she's a big Nadal fan herself, <laughs> and that yeah. comes across in her post-match interviews. I like she's super unfiltered and very genuine. Kind of reminds me of Osaka two years ago, and I think they're good friends. So it's always yeah, good no, to see personalities. Uh, you were mentioning that she came out and watched Nadal. She came out the next day and watched him win the final. So right. that's certainly the end. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this says a lot. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 